Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Monday, January 8th. Happy Argyle Day, which celebrates a specific pattern of plaid that originated in County Argyle, Scotland, and not John McLean's limo driver in Die Hard. But it should. He was cool. And long as we're here, let's go on and settle this. There's two kinds of people. Those who think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and those who are wrong and need to reevaluate their decision-making paradigm. It 100% is a Christmas movie, cause almost none of the plot devices would work if it wasn't for Christmas. I mean, McLean's wife is named Holly, for Pete's sake. Round our house, it ain't Christmas till Hans Gruber does a backflip off a of Nakatomi Plaza, and Ralphie gets his BB gun. Lethal Weapon, however, is not. And it's too bad today ain't about the limo driver, cause it's missing a great crossover opportunity. Cause it's also National Man Watchers Day and the squall loves to watch John McClane take care of business. She considers Die Hard to be a chick flick, best wife ever that she is. Matter of fact, if you say to Bible Y'all Squall, let's watch a chick flick, she's just as likely to pick Aliens or Terminator 2. She likes them female action leads like Ripley and Sarah Connor. And long as we're settling controversies, Ripley's tough and all, but she's no Sarah Connor. You put the two of them together, and Sarah Connor'd whip Ellen Ripley like she stole something all the way from one end of that spaceship to the other, and Ripley'd go home and never say another word about Sarah Connor again. But Argyle Day, coming exactly two weeks after Christmas like it does, really should celebrate Die Hard, cause it'd be a good day to watch it again, and revive some of that Christmas spirit, keep the joy and happiness alive. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, our reading for today is Genesis 18:16 through 19:38. Matthew 6, 25 through 7, 14, Psalm 8, 1 through 9, and Proverbs 2, 6 through 15. So if y'all are ready, and if y'all do watch Die Hard and feel inspired to give me 640 million in negotiable bearer bonds, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. We'll set something up. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, yesterday, on the 7th in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 16.1 through 18.15. And when we left off, the Lord just made a binding unilateral contract with Abram to make of him a great nation, sealed with sacrifices and everything. But Sarai, for whatever reason, feels like God needs a little help, or don't trust him, or thinks God don't know what he's talking about, since she can't have children. So she says to Abe, Abe, since God's obviously wrong about me being a mom, well, you know, Hagar... Not Sammy Hagar, that servant of mine we picked up in Egypt when we was down there. Well, why don't you go do your thing with her, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abe did it, and Hagar got pregnant. And this is not in keeping with a man of faith, who's been through with God what he's been through with God. So either Abe was reluctant and had to be convinced, because it says Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai, which means he doesn't trust God after all, or... Abe was like, score, got me a hall pass, which makes him a bad person. And the Benson commentary tries to stick up for him and calls Hagar Abe's secondary wife. But she ain't really, she's Sarai's servant. And Sarai even says she's the one who's going to get the children he has by her. And verse 3 does say, Sarai took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. But verse 4 still calls Sarai her mistress. So whatever kind of weird thruple they were putting together, it was bad decision-making all around. And long as we're on the subject, 
It's important to keep in mind that marriage for us in our culture is very different than it was for them back then. Most women today aren't at risk of dying without a husband, from like starvation or roving gangs of marauders and such. Women today get to choose who they want to marry. Back then, there was a lot more urgency to it. And we can argue about the morality of polygamy, but back then, it was a way to protect women and keep the race alive. Because let's say you live in Shemeber with, say, 5,000 other families, and Cherdoleomer comes through and slaughters all but like a 100 men in the village. Well, there's a lot of women that suddenly need husbands to provide for them and give them children to work the farm and care for them in their old age. And they need them right now or everybody starves. So we can maybe cut them both some slack, but bottom line, they messed up. Cause, wouldn't you know it, Sarai and Hagar all of a sudden hate each other. And who could have seen that coming? <laughs> and rather than handle his business, Abe let Sarai run Hagar off. So Hagar's sitting by a spring or something in the desert thinking, this is how I die, I guess. And an angel visits her. And he's like, I got good news and bad news. This boy you're going to have, we're going to call his name Ishmael which means God will hear because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Well, God's going to multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. The bad news is he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. But for now, go on back and submit yourself to Sarai and watch the rest of this drama play out. And then that spring she was sitting by, they called it Bir Lahai Roy, which means the well of him that lives and sees me. And I just want to say that all that's true about women being vulnerable in their culture. But women were considered property and considered each other property too. So when the properties became competitive, Sarah blamed Abram and he responds with, she's yours, handle it. And the weakness of humanity is throughout the Bible, but God still talks to us. And this chapter wraps up by saying Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. He was 86. Which, given his age when he died, I'm guessing would be like 40s for us, but I don't pretend to know how that works. So anyway, in chapter 17, surprisingly, Abe has to wait 13 years to hear from God again, when he was 99. So remember that next time you get impatient with God. And God shows up and tells him one more time that he's going to have lots of descendants. He says, I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will give unto thee all the land of Canaan. And I find it hysterical that God just goes right into giving him instructions on circumcision at eight days old, which, by the way, is medically the best time to do it. You can look that up later. And how this is a sign of his covenant. As if Abe ain't been waiting for this like 30 or 40 years already. But God's like that, though. Abe didn't need to know till now, so why bother to tell him? And here's something interesting. He also changes both their names. Abram is now Abraham, which means father of many nations. And Sarai is now Sarah, which means princess. And somebody preached one time that all God did was add an H sound to them both, a breath sound, a huh. And breath is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, as if to say the Holy Spirit now indwells them both. And in verse 16, God tells him this great nation is going to come from yours and Sarah's kid. And Abe laughs at him, which only he could get away with that. And he's like, she's 90. I'm 99. You really expect me to believe we're going to have kids? Why don't you just use Ishmael? That's why we had him for you in the first place. <laughs> but God's like, well, since when do we do things your way? And as for Ishmael, I've blessed him and I will make him fruitful. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him and God went up from Abraham. 
Nobody drops a mic like God. (laughs) So following God's instructions, Abe circumcises everybody in his organization, including himself and Ishmael. And when I get to heaven, I'm going straight to Blockbuster, and the second video I'm checking out is the one of how he convinced all these guys to go through with that. (laughs) You want us to what? (laughs) Well, he was boss. So yeah, at least 13 years passed since the unilateral covenant demonstration. And then it's like we get the consideration of that contract. Abraham slept. He was Abram. Abram slept during the first one, but now he has duties to perform. And number one, change his name to father of many nations, like Paul was saying. And two, Sarai becomes princess. And three is circumcision. And he does it all the same day. So later on in chapter 18, the Lord appears to Abraham. And when he looked up, he saw three guys standing there. Two of these guys are angels of some kind, and one is apparently God, or a Christophany maybe. And Abe worships them and shows them major hospitality, lets them wash their feet, and he and Sarah feed them a nice meal. And they're like, hey, where's Sarah? And Abe's like, well, she's in the tent. And the Lord says, okay, see you in nine months when y'all's son gets here. And Sarah overhears this and laughs just like Abe did in the last chapter, because she's like, these dudes must be crazy. But the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. But he's like, I just heard you laugh. Don't laugh at God. But that's where we stop reading. Yeah. Now, Hebrews eleven eleven tells us that through faith, this 90-year-old woman received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, God put words of faith in their mouths by changing their names. Abraham called her princess, and she called him father of many nations. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew 6, 1 through 24. And Jesus is still preaching on the mount, and he's still preaching radical concepts. And he starts out by saying, do not your alms before men. Do not act all holy and pious just to get approval of the other religious people you hang out with, because that's actually pride, which is the opposite of holy. If you want to be holy, don't even tell anybody. Do it all in private, not for attention. Don't pray or give to charity or stuff for rewards, but do it because it's the right thing to do. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do, as if they'll be heard more because they speak a lot. After this manner, therefore pray ye. And then he says what we call the Lord's Prayer, which he meant as a kind of outline for prayer, and which we all know because we all learn to recite it as a vain repetition and not as an outline like he wanted. So, irony. (laughs) And part of that prayer is about forgiveness. And he reiterates that point that if you want forgiveness, you got to forgive. And then he just bottom lines it. He says, don't do what you do just for earthly reward, because all this is going to burn. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So are you worldly or heavenly minded? Show me your bank statement and I'll tell you. Then he says some stuff about the eye being the light of the body. And his point is, don't just chase after every lust you see, especially riches. Because no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon means riches. And my understanding is it really means like the spirit of worldly wealth, like in an idol to be worshipped. And the commentaries argue about whether there was actually a god called Mammon that they worshipped, but it don't really change anything either way. But that's as far as we read. And I see Jesus going for 
integrity and wholeness. I mean, that's what he's expressing to us here. Living true so that we can live for him. It's impossible to serve two masters. We can lay up treasures in heaven when we operate out of wholeness and integrity. It's the generalized responsibility. I mean, that's stress when it's generalized. Responsibility is the ability to respond to something specifically. We are reading about Abraham and Hebrews 11.10 tells us that by faith, Abraham sojourned in the promised land, living in tents with heirs, because he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Jesus is teaching us to be citizens of the kingdom of God. Like we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 7, 1 through 17. And this is a Shigeon of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. And a Shigeon is a lyrical poem composed under strong mental emotion, a song of impassioned imagination. And Cush was probably a follower of Saul in his conflict with David since Saul was also a Benjamite, but they don't know for sure who he was. Whatever, David never ran out of enemies. (laughs) And in this psalm, he's begging God for protection and repenting for whatever he did to bring this on himself. He asked for the wickedness of the wicked to come to an end and to establish the just. And he spends the last few verses expressing his faith that God will do exactly that. David is singular in purpose. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. And I'm not going to read it again, but basically wisdom is finished with standing out in the street and hollering at you. Now we're back to Solomon talking to his boy. And he basically says, son, all that stuff wisdom just shouted at you. What she said, you need to seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And I'm going to break this one down like this. We receive the word, bury them in our hearts. With his words buried or kept in our hearts, we're inclined to hear wisdom call. If we hear wisdom call, then we can apply our hearts to understand it and pray for knowledge and how to seek wisdom like hidden treasure. And then we will understand the fear of the Lord. And it's the fear of the Lord that begins the whole process. We have to choose it first. But by the end of it, through this process, we begin to understand it. And we find the knowledge of God. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 8th is Genesis 18:16 through 19:38. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now, and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence, and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near, and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? 
And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again, and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. Chapter 19 And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my lord, behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shewed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O let me escape thither, is it not a little one? 
and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities, and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham, and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar, and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow, that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Our reading in the New Testament for January 8th is Matthew 6.25-7.14. through 7, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Chapter 7 Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. 
Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Our reading in Psalms for January 8th is Psalm 8, 1-9. To the chief musician upon Giddeth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hast set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength, because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And our reading in Proverbs for January 8th is Proverbs 2, 6-15. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment, and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they froward in their paths. And that's that for the 8th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Speaking of playing God like we was, I figured maybe we ought to do a week on persecution. So today's prayer is on Psalm 23, verse 4, which says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a couple times and meditate with me for a little while on the promise of persecution, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, nowhere in your word do you promise that life will be easy. Many of your children around the world face the shadow of death daily, but we have no reason to fear evil that would persecute or martyr us, for the worst those people can do is kill us. We know there is far more to life than life on earth, and we take comfort in knowing you are in control. Though the beast and his system may win some battles, you, Lord, have won the war. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yalling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody who's listening, and let this podcast be of some kind of help. Amen. You can look for us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. 
If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. If you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Well, you know, Hagar, not Sammy Hagar, that servant of mine we picked up in Egypt when we was down there. Can't believe you're not going to laugh at that. Who's Sammy? Who's Sammy Hagar? We have to have a talk when this is over. (laughs)